This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, Sunday is the granddaddy of all movie events. That's right. Uh, The father of all award shows, the Academy Awards, the Oscars. And if you're like me, uh, you are spending this week cramming and trying to see all the Oscar-nominated films that you can possibly get in so that you actually know what the winners are by the time the ceremony comes around. But if you're like me... As you see, film after film this year, you're left with the sense of, gee, films just aren't as good as they used to be. And if you really want to find an oasis in a desert of cinema mediocrity, so often you end up turning to networks like Turner Classic Movies. TCM is great because not only do they show the kind of movies that you love, but they show you the kind of movies uh, featuring stars that you love, but that you might not have even heard, heard of before. At least that's the case with me. But I really love it because before the film starts, there's there's an energetic, very handsome young man who looks wise, who gives you a little tidbit of trivia about the film or its stars or the era in which it was made. And then when I have friends over to watch movies, I can then repeat that little tidbit of trivia as if I knew it. Uh, he happens to be an incredibly talented broadcaster, TV personality, not only a TCM host, but a, a podcast a film critic, political commentator. His resume is longer than the credits in the film Titanic. Gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome TCM host Ben Mankiewicz. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the radio with me. Thank you for that uh, uh, kind. uh, I like all that. I like uh, like all of it. I like the handsome part. I like the uh, oasis part about TCM. Um, I agree with you on most things. I don't don't really uh, subscribe to the movies are aren't as good. I mean, in many ways, I think that some of them are bad. I mean, the acting has never, never been better ever. Uh, and the writing's never been better. Well, so that... I just think that, I just think that there's a lot of, 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 uh, if you'll forgive me, crap. And, and that junk, uh, gets a lot of marketing, right? And that's what, that's, what's different. So the stuff that we're bombarded with is not as good and it's not appealing. It's not as appealing to, you know, grownups. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think there's a lot of, of really good movies being made. I well, do think that. A lot of really talented I'm glad directors. you said that because that was one of the first things that I was going to ask you. So you don't think, on the whole, that the uh, the 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 average film that is released in 2021 is any is necessarily better or worse than a film released in 1971 or 1941. Well, I'm super partial to 1970. I'm actually very partial to both the years that you mentioned, well, 1941. I'm, I'm going to ask you about 71 about in film. the middle of this great era, and 41, the year of Citizen Kane. But the, um, it's not. You know, the the problem is, first of all, I don't know what I'm talking about about modern. It's not like I'm patched in. I'm, I'm like the least patched in to modern Hollywood guy there is. But I, I know from from talking to people out here a lot that a complaint you'll hear is that you know you. You said the average film, and um, I'm not just trying to be play devil's advocate. I would offer that that like there isn't an average film mm. because mm. movies in general, and this is hyperbolic what I'm about to say, but I, 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 it's also not entirely untrue. 
movies cost either two hundred million or two million, right? And there's very little in between. Certainly not the kind of you know grown-up movies that we saw, like in from 1967 to 1976 here in America, where it was like the greatest 10-year run of American movies ever. So it's tricky to find out what you're talking about. I mean, you know, Coda, Licorice Pizza, uh, you know, King Richard, you know, Belfast. These are good movies. They weren't that expensive to make. They weren't cheap. They weren't two million dollar movies. I'm disproving my point, but. But there aren't a lot of movies in between, certainly not nearly as many as there were during the studio era, you know, from, you know, the beginning of, you know, from the 1920s until the end of the 1950s. I really enjoyed Coda. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza yet. It's on my list for hopefully this week. Uh, do you, uh, keeping in mind the the disclaimer you just gave us that you're not necessarily plugged into, tw- you know, 21st century cinema, uh, do you think that, uh, do you have a prediction on who's going to be the big winner on this Sunday at the Oscars? Yeah, I mean, I, I, first the two movies that are overwhelming favorites. First of all, I'm a gambler, <laughs> so uh, Same. you know, you want to know who's going to win. So I, I one year, I think it was 2008, maybe 2009. I can't remember. I was on the red carpet for ABC before the Oscars, and they, they brought me in to talk about gambling, talk about the odds, and and Colin first for the King's speech. Yeah, I'm not making this up. You had to pay like ten thousand dollars to win a hundred on him. That's how big a favorite he was. So I said, basically, he's going to win. Like, it's over. They don't get that wrong, right? He's won every other one. It's an over. Um, and, and then they kept telling me to scale that back because the Oscars obviously didn't really want to hear someone before the show tell you who was going to win. Um, but so I believe in the odds, and I don't think any of the long shots will win. And I think it's between Power of the Dog and Coda. Power of the Dog is the favorite. It's the kind of movie that most Oscar voters like. But I, I defy anyone to see Co- – I love Power of the Dog, by the way. It's a slow-moving movie. It, it, you got to spend some time thinking about it, and I wonder whether it's different for people at home than it is – I saw it in the theater at, at the Telluride Film Festival. But um, I defy anyone to see Coda and, and not find that that movie was really special. So uh, I think Coda will win. That's just a guess, but, but it's going to be Coda or, or Power of the Dog. I think you could take that to the bank. Do you have a take on the best film this year that wasn't nominated? Anything that you found really, really compelling that you were surprised didn't get a nomination? Yeah, it's my, and I don't think you got any nominations. There was a movie I saw at, at Telluride. I don't I'm go to a lot. I used to see almost every first-run movie when I was regularly um, reviewing movies, a job I did not like. I mean, I like doing it because I like the people I work with, but I was I was bad at it. And I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like the giving a scathing negative review. Right. I, mean, I didn't like that people created this art. I'm glad there are critics. I just wasn't very good at it. Um, and uh, so, but uh, there's a, a movie with uh, 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 Joaquin Phoenix, and Gabby Hoffman, uh, called uh, "Come On, Come On," Mike Mills film, and uh, who did that wonderful movie uh, uh, "Beginners" with Ewan McGregor. Um, and Christopher Plummer years ago, where Plummer won the Oscar for for best supporting actor, and I, I think it's just outstanding. It's really good, and Joaquin Phoenix is great. Gabby Hoffman's great, uh, and I was the reaction to it was so positive in Telluride, and uh, and it didn't. It has really sort of done nothing, and but it's a really, really, really good film. I think a lot of people in our audience know you from the beginning of the film at on Turner Classic Movies, as I alluded to. How many times a day, a week, a month do people come up to you and ask you? if the facts that you share at the beginning of the film are facts that you really knew or if they were scripted? 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, they're definitely scripted. I mean, I'm reading a script. You know, I'm not. I, I don't talk for uh, two minutes uh, without a teleprompter. Um, but I mean, I, I the, you know, I, I'll give you insight into the process. It's been the same for Robert Osborne and me, and now now all the hosts at TCM. We have five, and uh, yeah, like the scripts get written, and then if you care about what you say, and we all do, that's what I'm doing right now. In fact, I took a pause. For, I've done over the last. Four and a half hours today. I finished five scripts. Like they take a long time, uh, and you go through them, you change them, you make sure they're in your voice. Sometimes you completely rewrite them. That's really not uncommon, and that's not really a criticism of whoever took the first pass at it, but more like what interested me. I mean, I have a very easy standard: is that if I think it's interesting, other people probably think it's interesting because I'm not exceptional. Um, so, you know, everything we do, every single lead-in we do with TCM is new, right? We don't rerun any of them. Or if we do, we make a big point that we're there'll be a new intro saying, "Hey, this is a lead-in from five years ago," and you know maybe it's an old Robert Osborne intro. You know, we'll do something like that. But that's like four or five times a year we might do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the yeah, I mean, I, I know it. I didn't. I don't know it all cold going in. Um, you know, I, I people come up to me all the time, and what they really ask me is not so much that question, although I get asked that. It's People, you know, because movie fans, you know, are passionate. You probably sure. have movies that you know a lot about, right? And they'll have some question about the movie that is that they love. And they it's a very specific detail, you know. Like, you know, George C. Scott um, in the Hindenburg, you know, there's a moment when I was just a script I was working on, you know, where, where, he, where he looks away. He looks out the window. Do you, and I'm like, I, I don't know, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I know you love this movie and you love that moment. But I can't, you know, recall it off the top of my head because over the last 19 years, you know, I've seen thousands of movies. Um, and sometimes before a little, before I have to do a little refresher course, sometimes, as you might imagine, some of them run together. You alluded to Citizen Kane. Uh, that's one of my favorite films, if not my favorite film. We spoke about it at length last year on the radio for the uh, 80th anniversary. You have a very special familial uh, connection to that film. Uh, your grandfather, who a lot of people sort of rediscovered uh, with the film Mank, was the screenwriter of that film. Uh, I'm wondering, what did you think of that film on its own merits? How much of a game changer was that film in the history of cinema? And uh, how proud are you to share a last name and biology with someone that was such an integral part of it? No, oh, well, I'll work backwards. I mean, you can't, I mean, whatever your scale is, I'm at the top of it as, as far as being proud to be a Mankiewicz. And, you know, so obviously it opened doors for me. And I mean, look, my last name's not, I use this story at this, this point a lot. I mean, when they, when they hired me, it's not like my last name was, you know, I'm not Ben Spielberg, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no, my, my grandfather, when I was hired at TCM, had been, had been dead for uh, 50 years. He was hired in 2000. Three and he died in 1953. And my uncle Joe uh, was dead and hadn't made a movie in 30 years at that point. So, but you know, it, it doesn't hurt to be at TCM and and, and be a Mankiewicz, no question. Um, and I, I'm so fortunate to get the job because the channel means so much to people. So I'm enormously proud. Um, I don't know that I could judge the film on the merits because I loved it so much because it was about my grandfather and it was called Mank and they say the word Mank like, I don't know, 
88 times in the movie. Well, well you know? but, but, <laughs> every, I, I, every couple of minutes, somebody I, says Mank. I do want to get you to, uh, you know, get your take on Mank. But just uh, Citizen Kane for a second. Oh, I, excuse me. I'm sorry. So no, Citizen Kane. No, yeah, it's, so, it's an awkwardly so, uh, well, worded all, question. I'll, right? I'll just wrap up Mank by saying it, that, that was exactly how my father described his grandfather. He described his father, my grandfather, who I never met. So I love Gary Oldman's performance, and I was, you know, really kind of wiping away tears from the opening credits until the end of the movie. Um, and I thought it was a lovely movie about an artist, a struggling artist, sort of, you know, uh, trying not to hate himself. Were you disappointed um, that it didn't win uh, the Oscar? No, no. It was not. First of all, it won more Oscars than Citizen Kane, which will always be funny. <laughs> you know, um, it won two. Citizen Kane won one just for best screenplay. Uh, I still think Citizen Kane, you know, holds up. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. It, I'm very comfortable saying it's the best movie ever made, or certainly the most important American film uh, ever made. I know they're they're you know Hitch uh, the the rear uh, not uh, not rear one Vertigo has has replaced it on uh, uh, you know uh, one influential list there at Sight and Sound magazine. I love Hitchcock, but I mean Vertigo is like my twelfth favorite Hitchcock movie. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but you know uh, Citizen Kane, it was a game changing movie, and, and the fact that I'm enormously proud that my grandfather wrote that screenplay and. But make no mistake about whose movie that was. It was it's Orson Welles' movie. I mean, starred in it, directed it, changed the way movies are directed. And his sheer force of will got it made. You know, I mean, my, my grandfather couldn't have gotten that film made. He could barely get his phone calls returned uh, by, in 1940. The, 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 the tension that may have existed between Orson Welles and your grandfather, mm-hmm. that's depicted in Mank. And it's been alluded to in other movies about the making of Citizen Kane, uh, RKO 281, um, maybe a couple of others. Was that, was that real? Did they have not the best collaborative relationship? Yeah, but, you know, they, they had a pretty good collaborative relationship until they didn't. You know, um, and and mostly the reason they didn't was because Wells, you know, I mean, first of all, he paid my grandfather not to have his credit on the movie, and then my grandfather changed his mind. It's a detail that certainly is worth mentioning, but mm-hmm. it doesn't change the fact that, you know, he, he wrote the movie, Wells wanted to have his name, Wells, you know, his, his ego is legendary. Um, and Herman, uh, you know, was not proud to be a screenwriter. I mean, that's something I thought that, you know, the movie Mank, the Netflix film, David Fincher's film, you know, really got right that that this was a guy who who just sort of hated himself for writing these, you know, this popcorn entertainment for the masses. And you want to go back in time and say to Herman, hey, man, no, no, this this mattered. This is valuable, what you were doing, really valuable. Um, so but he recognized with Citizen Kane that this was this mattered. This was good. This was special. Uh, and he wanted his name on it. And, you know, the right thing to do would be to say yes, because <laughs> he's the one who wrote it. So, um, or wrote most of it anyway. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt that Wells had some contributions to the screenplay. And again, no question whose movie it is, it's Orson Wells. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so then the, then from that point on, there was, uh, uh, there was, definitely, uh, there was definitely tension. You um, you alluded to your legendary film family, not only your grandfather, but uh, your great uncle Joseph, uh, one of the great uh, writers and directors of that era of Hollywood. That actually played something of a role in your audition for TCM, didn't it? Yeah, it was just a, you know I, I like uh, I like making a bold declarative statements that I sort of presume that everybody around me knows are ridiculous. Um, uh, they don't always uh, know that. Uh, so when when, um, when I auditioned for TCM, when I had my TCM audition, uh, I, I was uh, I went home and uh, it was my second audition. I've been for my call back, 
and I uh, said to my uh, girlfriend at the time, well, let's turn on TCM, and if there's a, a movie, a Mankiewicz movie on, that we have anything to do with, the Mankiewicz had anything to do with, I'll get the job. I'm not saying I won't get it if it's not a Mankiewicz movie because I'm dooming myself. The odds are like, you know, one-tenth of one percent. Uh, but if it is, I'll just definitely get it. And we turned it on, uh, and it was the uh, the barefoot uh, the barefoot Contessa, written and directed by Joe Mankiewicz. I, I, we turned it on, and I'm looking, and I'm like, that's Humphrey Bogart, David Gardner. I, I think this is the barefoot Contessa. <laughs> and uh, and then you know, sure enough, whatever they took their time, but uh, sure enough, you know, about five six weeks later, they uh, they offered me the job. That was you know, I can't believe it. It became it was a job then, and now it's a career. It was 19 years ago. Now, your wardrobe has ch- improved a little bit, it seems, over the last 19 yeah. years. You think? Has it? Really? <laughs> yeah, no, man. I look back at some of that stuff that you can find on YouTube. And and the guy who hired me, the GM who hired me, is a guy named Tom Karsh. And I'm enormously grateful to, to Tom. Uh, yeah, I mean, a committee hired me, but Tom was leading it. And it was really Tom could have vetoed it. Tom wanted me. But Tom also liked, like, you know, he wanted me to be cool, <laughs> which I got news for you. It can't happen. <laughs> um, and I had a goatee, and he made, they made me keep it. They, it was written into my first contract that I have a goatee. And I always, like, wore a T-shirt and then a shirt on top of the T-shirt and then a jacket. It was very layered, and the clothes didn't fit. Everything was big. Um, so I cringed a little bit. Now they got me, you know, we, they, you know, I, I look, I look more like my brother, who's a Dateline correspondent. <laughs> has always been incredibly well dressed. You, you also um, have been uh, something of a, you know, a political commentator. And I don't want to get into politics in this conversation, but I'm wondering, you, you know, you've taken pretty, you know, uh, polarizing stances and gotten to some polarizing debates on uh, the Young Turk Network and and uh, and elsewhere. Do, do, do you ever get any pushback from your fans that may like you on TCM but may really disagree with some of the things they see you saying on the Young Turk Network and, else, and elsewhere? Well, yeah, 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 and I was a founding member of the uh, Young Turks and uh, um, uh, uh, with my, my – Jenk Hughes, one of my closest friends in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, sure, uh, but, you know, not – not nearly as much as as I guess as you might think, or that I might I might mm. think. I mean, uh, well, that's good. Um, I'm you know, glad cer- to, I'm certainly glad there's to hear plenty. That. You know, we all get it. Like, hey, shut up and stick to movies. Whenever I say anything on Twitter that's political, but I, that's not going to happen. I don't, nor should it. You know, this is uh, uh, as we I think all agree on. This is America, and, and I grew up around politics. My dad was Bobby Kennedy's press secretary. He ran George McGovern's campaign. He, he ran for Congress. Nearly won himself, and has worked on. Uh, campaigns is really for most of his life. That was his job. Uh, so, you know, caring, I grew up in DC, caring about politics passionately. And I still do, um, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, politics and sports and movies. That's the things I care about most other than my family. So there's some pushback, but mostly it's this idea of, Hey, look, man, there are actually things that, uh, that even people who disagree vehemently about, uh, about politics can come together on. And, I also don't think you could be a TCM host and and not talk about politics. Politics and the movies have been intertwined forever, and and the politics of the world and the politics of Hollywood and the politics of Washington frequently worked themselves into the backstory of movies that were made. And I think it's really important to tell those stories, you know, when when it's relevant. And certainly you don't want to force it in. And and mostly we want TCM to be what what it is for you, what it is for me, which is a little bit of an oasis, right, Mm -hmm. an escape. Absolutely. Um, from politics. But, oh. when, but when we have a movie and the writer was blacklisted, 
it, it would be negligent not to talk about the blacklist. You know, so we do. We lost uh, William Hurt recently. Do you have a favorite William Hurt movie or a movie that William Hurt did that may, people may not know about that you should tell them to check out? Oh, well, I'd have to think about one that I don't know that they don't know about. Uh, certainly, saw, well, by the way, I'll mention this. Uh, it was a show that's on Amazon Prime now called Goliath that I love, and the first season William Hurt is the is the villain. I think it's the first season, um, and uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's terrific. He's I mean he's a dynamic actor, a really good actor. Children of Blesser God is wonderful, but you know I'm a I started in. I was a reporter. I went to journalism school. I wanted to be a reporter. I thought that's what I'd be. My brother had been a reporter, uh, I've, and uh, you know, and broadcast news is great, <laughs> great. And uh, I mean, I've seen it uh, as many times as I, you know, I've seen it eight, nine, ten times, and uh, uh, I love it. Love Albert Brooks. Fell in love with Holly Hunter, and and but William Hurt is just. It's just brilliant in the movie. And the thing that, that, that causes Holly Hunter to be dismayed with him and break it off with him, you know, that he used a reversal shot and was emotional in the reversal shot. He was legitimately crying during it's not even no one would even bat an eyelash at that now. <laughs> you know, that's uh uh, so, uh, but broadcast news is a real, real high quality film. Well, it's uh, so. Uh, your prediction for this weekend uh, for the Oscars Best Picture is uh, you said go with the Oscars. Uh, best Picture, I'll go. I'll go with Coda. I'd love to see Coda win. And I thought Troy Kutzer, who played the father in Coda, when I saw it, I saw it before there was any hype about it because I did a piece on Marley Matlin for CBS Sunday Morning, and, uh, and and as I was watching the movie with with my wife, I just kept saying, "This is as good a performance as you're going to see this year from the dad." I had no belief at all that it would ever get nominated and yeah. so i was just thrilled to see that he's been winning uh, best supporting actor so yeah. i think he'll win too Fing- fingers uh, crossed it's a great uh, film if you I, haven't seen it compl- I, I loved it uh, fingers crossed on that one ben mankwich thanks for taking the time I'll, I'll look forward to doing this again soon yeah uh, thanks very much frank if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation 800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-wabc see ben regularly on turner classic movies this is the other side of midnight straight ahead